Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, as always, Kim. Today I'm doing a case that actually hasn't concluded yet, so it could turn out later that there is actually more to the story to learn, and the murderer hasn't actually been sentenced yet. His sentencing is actually coming up in April. But I know that if you are anything like me, you have been dying for the details on this story. So I've put together it as best as I can so far, and will probably provide some updates at a later date when I have them. In the meantime, I've been extremely eager to do this story for you. This is The Murders of Jasmine Lovett and Elias Anderson. Five-year-old Jasmine Lovett was a dark-haired beauty, clear olive skin, sporadically peppered with freckles, and large brown eyes that conveyed her very loving soul. Her beauty was completely effortless, and her heart walked around on the outside of her body in the form of a tiny 22-month-old spitfire of a girl named Aaliyah, who had inherited her mom's big brown eyes and ebony locks of hair. Aaliyah had been the product of a relationship with Robbie Sanderson that ended about a year after Aaliyah's birth. But from all accounts that I could find, that relationship ended amicably enough, and Jasmine remained friendly with Robbie's mom, Jody Sanderson, and his sisters, Amber and Josie. Amber had said of Jasmine, quote, you know every mom's life becomes about their baby, but you could see the happiness on their faces when they were together, end quote. Not long after her separation from Robbie, Jasmine started a relationship with 36-year-old British expat Robert Leeming in the fall of 2018. They had originally met on a dating app, but Jasmine and Aaliyah moved in as tenants to his townhouse in Cranston after about a month of sort of casual dating, because she needed a place to stay. 
They stopped being a couple by January of 2019, but remained friends, according to Leeming anyways. And the relationship became just kind of tenant-landlord. Robert himself had a son that lived with his ex-wife, so the relationship was a bit strange in that they kind of lived as a couple, but kind of not. Robert Leeming was the son of a British military dad. He was born in Germany while his family was stationed there, but he spent most of his childhood growing up in the rural area of Marlborough in England with his two brothers, Chris and George. According to Coffee House Crime, a f- kind of a weird fact about Robert that likely Jasmine didn't know was that from an extremely young age, Robert had become fascinated with knives and had actually started a collection at the age of seven. He grew up to become a heavy machinery mechanic, which were and still are in really high demand here in Canada. So when he started talking online to a young woman named Sarah here in Canada, she was studying to be a teacher. So he moved to Canada and they married in February of 2013 and bought the townhouse in Cranston and started their family with a son and adopted a dog named Axel, but they divorced in 2017. In the divorce affidavit, which was signed by Sarah, she claimed emotional abuse, saying that he emotionally destroyed me. And she feared for her own safety and the safety of her son. She had concerns because she recounted a number of incidents in regards to the family dog. And in one account, he actually left this poor dog tied to a tree in the woods without any food and water. Like this was his way of sort of getting rid of the dog. In that case, he was actually convicted of animal cruelty and fined $5,000 and a ban, of course, on owning any animals for 10 years. He had also, according to Sarah, threatened the dog with a weapon on a number of occasions. Sarah was granted a restraining order against him and he was given supervised visitation with their now four-year-old son. At this time, he had a restricted firearms license and had collected a total of 60 knives, which included a Bowie and Leatherman style. So at that time, Sarah and her son peaced out. He also had a spotty work history. Moving from job to job, usually fired for accusations of stealing from the company he was working for. Now, as I said, Robert only had supervised visit with his young son and there was also a restraining order on him from his ex-wife and of course this would be something that I'm pretty sure Jasmine didn't know about I don't think it's something that you you know open on a first date about and he he probably well just like Maria had said he probably talked badly about his ex-wife that she was crazy and all that kind of stuff so so Jasmine was probably unaware of his past Jasmine's sister Genevieve did think that the relationship was a bit weird, but she didn't really have any misgivings about at least the version of Robert that she knew. But she did think it was a bit strange to have a casual, like a casual dating partner and also your landlord and kind of act like they're together sometimes. I just, I kind of have an affinity for Jasmine because she was the same age as my niece Taylor when she of course, met her fate with a relationship with somebody that turned out to be someone else completely entirely. So I think that for her at that time, having a drama-free place to 
lay little Aaliyah down to sleep at night was kind of her only priority. So I really don't think that any of this past history uh, was known by Jasmine or by her family. On April 14th, the trio attended a family gathering where Genevieve and Jasmine's mom, Kim, was also in attendance. They reported really nothing out of the ordinary between the couple, non-couple, whatever it was. On April 15th, that was the last time that anyone saw or heard from Jasmine or Aaliyah. Uh, She was seen at a grocery store on their surveillance cameras, pushing Aaliyah in a stroller. Jasmine's wearing a long sleeve purple t-shirt with sort of black or very dark pants, um, carrying a single grocery bag. And Aaliyah is in a light blue or green top with light colored pants. On April 16th, Robert texted Jasmine's phone, letting her know that he had taken Aaliyah to the daycare. On April 19th, Kim had arranged a family dinner for Jasmine and Aaliyah and Jasmine's sister Genevieve, but she was a no-show. Now, this was pretty unusual for her, but Kim thought that maybe she had just forgotten or got tied up with something. She tried calling her, but it just went to voicemail. Two days later, she still hadn't heard from her. So Kim drove to the townhouse to check to check in with her. And nothing on the outside of the townhouse really appeared out of the ordinary, but she didn't get any answer at the door. Another couple of days passed, and Kim just knew something wasn't right. Uh, so she actually put in a missing persons report on the 23rd of April, after five days of not hearing from Jasmine, whom she normally talk to on a fairly regular basis and the police took it very seriously from the very beginning because mums just don't go missing for no reason there's always a reason so they immediately published a bulletin looking for information on the two of them which stated the calgary police service is asking for the public's help to locate a woman and her daughter who have not been heard from in over a week Jasmine Lovett and Aaliyah Sanderson live in Cranston and usually have regular contact with their family, but it is believed that no one has heard from them since Tuesday, April 16th, 2019. They were reported missing yesterday and investigators have been unable to locate them. Jasmine is described as being in her mid-twenties, five foot four tall, with a slim build, brown hair, and brown eyes. Aaliyah is almost two years old, approximately three foot three feet tall with a slim build brown eyes and brown hair obviously because jasmine was living with robert the police start there so they come to the house and they knock same as kim get no answer so they put a notice on his door and sit in their car and wait for him to return as it gets darker out they notice that the lights in the house kind of keep coming on and going off so it's obvious that somebody's actually home So they go back to the door, quite some time, they knock, and finally, a very inebriated Robert opens the door and lets them in. How's it going? Says she's with her sister. Hmm. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. All right. Well, we're just going to take a quick look around. We need to have a look. So, sir, you're Robert? We've been here for hours and hours and hours now, hey? Uh, banging on your door and ringing on the doorbell. Calling your phone. Door, yeah. I, I'm, I've been drinking and smoking a lot, so. Okay. Okay, so she's not with her sister. 
that's the reason that we're here. I think we're here. Is the family's calling us, saying we haven't heard from our daughter and our sister. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, that makes sense? Yeah. Okay, why does that make sense? Because I haven't heard from her either. Okay. So do you guys get in some sort of argument? Not that you're aware of, like you're not making a whole lot of sense no, to me, like, guy. Like, like, I don't know what. What? what uh, sorry, I'm, I'm still getting my bearings here. So she's not with her family, but she did threaten to move out. I don't know, like three weeks ago, we got into a, a tizzy. She she threw a bunch of my stuff out, food, stuff like that. Nothing that would concern you. Okay. I've had people living with me before and they move out. Right, but this isn't just like a roommate, this is your girlfriend. No, it's more roommate than girlfriend. Okay. So, the last time that you saw Jasmine was when? Thursday. And at that time, you guys were A okay or fighting or what was the status? I would say in the air. Judging by what obviously has gone down, just you know, drink, not drinking a lot over the weekend. Probably been on my own, right? Okay. Does she have a car? I don't know. No, she That's doesn't have a license. Car away. That's really Did you see the note on the door? I do now. Okay. I'm gonna go make a call to mom and try and get some more info. Robert claimed that Jasmine had thought the relationship was exclusive, and he didn't. So when she found out that he was seeing another woman, she said she was moving out. Now this came as news to her family, who didn't know anything about this. On the same night, Jasmine received a text from Robert saying, quote, Hey, you okay? The CPS is here looking for you. Please call me. It's urgent. Or call 911. Robert says that he had been to a picnic area near Bragg Creek with Jasmine and Aaliyah just the day before they disappeared, telling the police, quote, We went for beers and chilled out and came back. They were here on the next day. I went somewhere else, and they weren't here when I came back. End quote. So police did a search of Jasmine's bank, bank records and social media, and at a press conference, Staff Sergeant Martin Chavetta said, quote, we did a very exhaustive investigation into the footprints of life. This including social media, healthcare, phones, banking information. The fact that our victims were not in contact with her family, which is very inconsistent. After conducting all those searches, we have not found any footprints of life, and this leads us to believe that there is no evidence to support that our victims are alive. End quote. Now, he does say that there was an online purchase made on the 18th, but they were unable at that time to confirm that it was actually her that had did the, done the purchasing uh, or if it was somebody using her bank card. It, unfortunately, it was later determined that they believe that Jasmine and Aaliyah were killed prior to the 18th, so it was likely Robert that used the card to purchase whatever it was. So police obtained a search warrant to search the townhouse on the 25th of April, and when the Calgary tactical team arrived to arrest him, 
Even the tactical team had trouble getting through the front door. Finally able to get in by the back door and when they came to the front door, like so from inside the house, they found that the front door had actually been barricaded with two by fours that were propped up at an angle to keep the door from being kicked in. And they also found, strangely enough, strips of uncooked bacon draped in places around the house. Like literally a strip of bacon hanging over the back of a dining room chair. What a complete psycho. There was also a padlock on the door to the master bedroom, which is a bit odd, but no bodies and nothing that could lead the police to conclude that a murder had even taken place there. When they arrested him, they couldn't hold him. So they were forced to let him out in a nearby shopping mall uh, while they continued to process the house and finished up with the search warrant. Fortunately for Robert, there was a pub at the mall, so he sat and had a few beers maybe more than a few, before giving a kind of swaying and ridiculous interview to the media that was outside while he puffed away on a cigarette. Okay, ready to go. Okay. I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind couple of days, big investigation. What can you tell us about um, your experience with this in the last two days? Yeah, I can. I was uh, arrested by the uh, tactical team. Um, it's pretty extreme. <laughs> from my experience um, and then they like the SWAT team came and fucking just <laughs> mowed me down <laughs> like uh, like seriously like just fucking slapped me on the ground and it's like uh, yeah you're under arrest for homicide great thanks guys of course I'd never experienced this before and um, they're, they're still investigating so, how long were you in, in police custody? 24 hours, I think. So what have you been doing in the, in the meantime? Just been here. <laughs> Literally. So was she living there at the time? Correct. Okay, so you own the house. Correct. Um, she, she and... Is a tenant. Is a tenant, along right. with Aaliyah? With her daughter. With her daughter, yes, correct. Okay, so that was the extent of your relationship. She rented from you. Correct. And you shared the home. Correct. Um, was there any romantic involvement between the two of you, or is there? There was initially, but um, towards the end, no. How, how would you characterize your relationship with Jasmine? Good. I mean, were you a boyfriend-girlfriend, or...? No, just, just good, good friends. Nothing alarmed me, until, of course, I got arrested. <laughs> so... What happens with you right now? Um... I'm just going to wait until I get a phone call to say that I can go. <laughs> um, How are you feeling throughout all of this? <laughs> um, traumatized, of course. Is there anything else that you want to add to all of this? Yeah, if anyone sees her or Aaliyah, Jasmine or Aaliyah, please you know, let the authorities know. They, they said that they would be done with the property um, today. And that I would be able to go back to the property. But... So you're hoping to sleep there tonight? Sleep tonight? Yes. Who do you think they are? I have no idea. I have no idea. Did she hang out with questionable people? Was she a good person? No, no, she was a good person. Nice person. Um, uh, yeah, I can't. There was nothing negative that I would say 
about her at all. She, she was a lovely person. I had no issues with her. Robert, I'm just curious, uh, um, you've been very open with the media here today. Why, why is it that you're choosing to speak to the media? Because I have nothing to hide. You were kind of the, the primary suspect in this, in this homicide I still investigation. Am. You, you still are. What are your thoughts about that and what are your emotions right now? What, what's kind of going through your head? It's very stressful, but um, I, I hope they will be found. And um, I hope we can move forward from this. We were friends, um, absolutely friends, um, and supported each other. How long have you lived here? And you have a son, right? Like five years. Yeah. And so, sorry, did your do you know if she had a boyfriend or anything? Or no, no, no. no. It was just like, just, just, just nothing. How long has she lived with you? Seven months. Seven months. So, so you live in the house, and she's your tenant who also lives in the house Correct. as well. Okay. And when was the last time you saw her? her it would have been uh, the Thursday. The Thursday uh, that just passed, or mm -hmm. the, in the oh, the, the prior Thursday, so yeah, like the eighteenth before long weekend. Oh, okay, okay. And, okay. and so, sorry. Do you know she was seeing somebody, or did you? No, 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 no. We, no, she was living with me and with her daughter. Mm -hmm. Do you have any suspicions of who or what happened or anything? I have no idea. You don't know. No idea. Do you have a contact number that you'd be willing yeah. to give us? I don't have. Them. Look at me. <laughs> I, everything. Look, I, I don't even have the key. I, I, I don't, I, nothing. Are you trying to get back in the house? No, I was curious. Oh. Left. That would tell you what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Um, so, yeah, I was curious. I want to walk down and see what's going on. Okay. All right. So, are you, where are you planning to go? <laughs> I have no one. I am here on my own. I, like, have nobody else. Like, I have... <laughs> if they don't let me in tonight, I have nowhere to stay. So that tells you oh. what's going on a little bit. And so, but so the the Mercedes SUV that they took that's, that's yours. yours? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Did they tow it? Uh, it's, yeah, gone. it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's more than I know. They said I'd be able to probably get back in tonight. Oh, okay. But uh, like I said, I'm I, I I was hanging out at the Berwick waiting for them to. Uh, let me back in. Don't know what time that's gonna be. Okay, and there's no, there's no way you want to talk to us on camera at all. Uh, probably not right now, just okay. in case. You know, yeah. I don't want to piss CPS off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why they told you not to talk to us? Yeah. No, they didn't tell me nothing like that. Oh. Okay. I just. It's crazy. Maybe go check it out and just. Yeah. See if yeah. <laughs> See ya. <coughs> the door's closed, so I don't know. I would go through the front, like there's. I'm not even gonna try and go. Oh, okay. You just... I, d I don't want to get in trouble. No. Okay. I've had enough stresses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but. Uh... Okay. Yeah. Uh, stressful. Well, that's shitty. I don't even know what else to say. 
hope she's alright. I mean, what, what do you do, right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, she's a tenant, and uh, this is, they arrested me on like, they came in on Tuesday. I was sleeping, so they fucking like bashed, almost bashed the door down, but they didn't. Um, like I, I was like, you know, when you sleep, I put, I put earplugs in myself, just because the kid and stuff, right? But, um... Yeah. They, 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 like, bashing until, like, like 1am and I, I woke up and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And opened the door and, like, I got fucking... Um, they came in and there's, like, fucking 20 officers just searched the place, just... And then, uh, Nothing. And then two days, two days later, they came in like SWAT. I don't know what the fuck they are in Canada, right? But like tactical team or whatever, they came in. Like my car, my car was halfway at the garage, and uh, they uh, they came in and arrested me. So last time you saw her was on Thursday, and her daughter. Correct. And like, did they say where they were going or anything? Not was it in the morning or the night when you saw her last? The evening. Evening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Later, the judge in the case would note that he found that Robert had lied 21 times in that interview. Speaking in ta- past tense about somebody who's only a missing person probably isn't a very good sign, and also being drunk and laughing is not a good move. Former Calgary Police Constable Ian Whiffen testified later at the trial that there were texts between Robert and Jasmine. And of course, he also found about 30 photos of her and Aaliyah in the recycle bin of his phone, which they had taken on that April 23rd um, seizure from his house. But they were still unable to find any physical evidence linking him to their disappearances. I guess bacon and barricades is not exactly a smoking gun. So on May 5th, the Calgary Police Priority Crimes Team launched what they called Operation Highwood with two undercover officers befriending him as he left like a liquor store and told him that they had recognized him from the news and that they'd found a bag of evidence near a neighbor's place and that they could help him get rid of it. Now this was kind of like a like a mini little Mr. Big Sting but probably one of the shortest ones in history because after only five hours, Robert blabbed the entire story, or at least his version of the story, to the undercover officers and then even led them out towards Bragg Creek, which was, well, actually to a place called Grizzly Creek. Robert said 
that he had picked up Aaliyah from the daycare on April 16, 2019, got her a snack at home while Jasmine had gone off to a job interview. And he said that Aaliyah started to climb like a set of stairs. He says, quote, I heard a thump and saw her lying on the ground. She seemed all right. I picked her up and dusted her off. He then said that Elias seemed pretty normal when he put her to bed that night. Jasmine came home and checked on her. And then him and Jasmine had dinner together and watched a bit of TV. When he went upstairs to check on her, which was about 45 minutes after Jasmine had first checked on her, he said that he saw something was wrong. He says, I picked her up and found she was limp and unresponsive. So he said he called Jasmine upstairs and that she, of course, was also unable to wake Aaliyah up. So he went downstairs to get his phone and that's when Jasmine came down and confronted him. He says, we were in the kitchen and we were both crying and shouting at each other. She stood up to me and pointed at me and asked me if I had done anything to Aaliyah. I freaked out. I snapped and hit her with a hammer on the head. I remember hitting her twice. He says, then he stood there for a little while. She was dying. I wanted it to stop. I went to the garage and I picked up a 22 and shot her in the head. It was the only thing I could think to be quick. He says, then he wrapped the bodies of his kind of girlfriend um, Jasmine and little Aaliyah in a like the, one of those blue and black moving blankets, put a roll of paper towels near Jasmine's head to stop the, bl- the, the blood. Like, I guess it wouldn't be bleeding anymore at that point because she wasn't alive, but um, the seeping of the blood. So he then led these undercover officers out to a place out, like a day-use place out in uh, Grizzly Creek, so like a picnic area. And so the one of the officers later testified that he knew exactly where to go. Like there was no second guessing at all. And in the video or audio tapes that were played in the court, the officer said, okay, so, you know, now where to? And he said, well, you're standing on it. And he was able to point, he literally pointed down. Um, and underneath the officer's foot were like branches kind of in a pile. And uh, when he lifted off some of the branches, he saw a little bit of the blue moving blanket. Um, He said, Robert goes and he grabs a bunch of a branch and lifts it up as if to prove what's underneath all these branches. As he does that, I see a bit of blue that I believe to be the moving blankets. He says that Robert also sort of bragged about some of the steps that he took to... uh, I guess, hinder the police investigation, um, including that bacon thing around his house to throw off cadaver dogs and that he had thrown some mulch into his car because he says it smells like death and they wouldn't be able to, to figure it out. One of the officers asked him what Jasmine had done to make him so angry. And he says she wanted too much. She wanted to get married and that he had actually been seeing someone else for about five months, who, of course, I'm not going to name because that would not be fair, what he considered every single guy does, um, and that, of course, Jasmine wasn't happy about it. 
he was quoted as saying, women, man, they always want more, right? Tell me when that ever stops with a chick, ever. From what I understand, she pretty much told her whole family. So the officers asked if he had cleaned up his car good, and he's, he replied, of course, like, oh, yeah. And he actually was relieved that he had a 2014 Mercedes and not a newer car. He said, quote, it's funny because they were telling me the Mercedes, they pretty much can hook up to the computer in the car and know exactly where I've been. It's too old of a car. If it was an 18, then I'd be in jail. Someone tried to expose who I am, and it ended badly. Robert said that he moved the bodies out to Kananaska's country or that Grizzly Creek area the day following the murder, um, putting them in the blankets. And he was spotted on surveillance cameras, actually filling his car with gas as well as a jerry can. And he stopped to buy a weed at a weed store. Now, when they did find the bodies, um, there was a very strong smell of gasoline on them. So they probably believe that he maybe thought at one point that he was going to light them on fire to try to get rid of the evidence. In November 2021, he did plead guilty to second-degree murder of Jasmine, but not guilty to the murder of Aaliyah. So at the trial for Aaliyah's murder in January of 2022, the medical examiner, who was Dr. Akmal Khan, testified that Aaliyah had suffered three distinct head injuries. And he said that Jasmine had had three separate fractures on her skull, which would have required a significant amount of force, um, including a crack that had actually extended down to the base of her skull. He said they were significant enough to cause her death. Kotsikan said that there was also a gunshot wound that was behind Jasmine's left ear, and then two bullet fragments were recovered from uh, her skull. He said that the bullet hitting the brain stem would have caused instantaneous death, so the amount of blood in the fracture suggested that the blunt force trauma had happened earlier. Quote, the most likely scenario is that the blunt force trauma occurred first and then the firearm injuries were afterward. Then he said that Aaliyah had died of blunt force traumatic injuries to the head and had abrasions on the side of her face and neck. He added that Aaliyah had experienced bleeding in the brain and she likely would have succumbed within three to six hours from the time her injuries were inflicted without any medical treatment. And then, of course, he also testified that both the bodies smelled very strongly of gasoline. Even with my face mask on at the time, there was this very, very strong smell of gas that was present. This smell was quite overwhelming, probably one of the strongest gasoline smells I've encountered during my 13 years working in the fields of forensics. A police forensics officer testified also that there had been that strong smell of gasoline or some kind of solvent anyways where those bodies were found. Um, so at the trial, which concluded in January, on January 24th, 2022, he actually testified on his own behalf, winding, of course, his tale of lies. 
and the judge rejected his entire testimony saying that he was not a believable witness and that Aaliyah would have lost consciousness, suffered seizures and would have been gasping for air. Mr. Leeming did not testify to any of this. The court does not accept Mr. Leeming's evidence. Um, and that judge was Justice Keith Yamachi. Justice Keith Yamachi. Um, so, so some of the other issues that they had with his test or with the judge had with his testimony was that he was exchanging text messages with his this new girlfriend between five and nine. So he obviously was able to find his phone and call for help since the phone was literally in his hand at the time and in working order. But of course, remember, he had earlier told the police that he couldn't find his phone and then said that he realized the next day that he had left it in his vehicle. Those text messages ended around 9 p.m., which was right around the time that Robert said that he discovered Aaliyah was limp in her crib after he'd put her down. He said he put her down, she was awake when he put her down there, and that was two hours following this fall down the stairs. Robert did admit that he had lied, told a number of lies, actually, during the police investigation and to the media interviews to cover up his crimes. Now, the prosecutor suggested that Jasmine had actually discovered Robert sexually assaulting Aaliyah and that that was why he killed her. He said, you didn't kill Jasmine because she was accusing you of doing something to Aaliyah like a fall or something. She was accusing you of something even worse, right? And he did note that the pathologist, Kotsi Khan, had found some evidence of potential sexual abuse. Maybe she even caught you doing it. And he responded, no, she did not. This goes from what, what did you do to my child to you grabbing a hammer? You didn't even say anything. You didn't even try to deny it. After all those lies, now you're telling the truth. And he said that he was. Now, that whole part is probably, well, it's completely unconfirmed. It's probably the part that's going to be appealed. We don't really actually know why he killed Aaliyah, if it was punishment for something, if it was an accident, if it was to cover up sexual abuse, if it could have been any one of those or all three of them for all we know. During the trial, Aaliyah's grandmother, Jody Sanderson, told reporters that it was, it's hard to listen to, but it helps to have the closure and know that it's almost over. I don't know how I could have survived if they weren't found. It's a nightmare. It's like reliving the nightmare over and over again. Um, and I would agree with what she has to say. I think that it's it's ironic, I guess, that there's these levels of grief that um, people go through with murder. And I think that the ones that really have it the worst are the ones where their family member is never found. So they never have any kind of answers, no even hope of any kind of closure. In the end, Justice Keith Yamachi said, um, he said that there was absolutely no doubt in his mind that that he had caused the injuries that led to Aaliyah's death. Uh, he wrote a 54-page decision and said, in part, this court does not believe his explanation of how Aaliyah died. It does not believe the, his evidence. Her injuries were not accidental. He meant to cause Aaliyah's death or meant to cause bodily harm to Aaliyah that was likely to cause her death. Why would he not use his best efforts to find Aaliyah help? Instead, he went downstairs for a cigarette. Mr. Leeming is not a believable witness. 
So he was convicted of second-degree murder for both Jasmine and Aaliyah's death. And, of course, second-degree comes with the automatic life sentence. But the eligibility period is a minimum of 10 years. So when he appeals it, that could change. Our hearts go out to the Lovett family, the Sanderson family, and the Blankert family for everything they've been through in what's almost three years now. And it's unimaginable what they've had to gone through, what they've gone through rather with the, uh, the loss of Jasmine and Aaliyah. So we just want everyone to know that we're thinking of them and that we hope that today is a day where they can feel like justice has been served. In a case like this, as you've pointed out, it's impossible for it to leave your mind the magnitude of what you're dealing with. And it's one thing to deal with, of course, the death of any human being, but anytime you're dealing with the murder, and not just the murder, but the way their bodies were found and everything that happened after that, it's a heavy weight, there's no question. I would say that it is safe to say that we will be asking for something in excess of 10 years. Very relieved, very relieved. I think I held my breath the whole time. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to get up and hug the judge, but I know that would have looked super weird. <laughs> so I... <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, happy is not the best word, right? But pleased that we got justice and relieved that it's over. His actions and demeanor were nothing but disturbing. Uh, yeah. At one point, um, they thought he was falling asleep. Yes, we stopped for a little bit to wake him up. Oh, we can go back to healing and just getting on with our lives and not having to think about coming here. And not have to worry about what the decision will be. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. a big relief. Yeah. Jody Sanderson, Aaliyah's paternal grandmother, has said of Jasmine, a mother's journey can be a difficult one. But a mother's heart endures because a mother's heart is a noble heart. It is fielded by the purest of love. On uh, one of Jasmine's Facebook posts in 2017, Jasmine wrote, If I could speak to everyone in the world at the same time, I would say slow down and enjoy what you have accomplished at this point so far. Find your inner peace and stay humble instead of always thinking too much about what you don't have or where you want to be in life but aren't. And remember, everyone is on their own amazing journey. Embrace who you are. Be loud and proud and remain positive. You're doing awesome. And that was the murder of Jasmine Lovett and Aaliyah Sanderson, as it has unfolded so far. I hope, I hope, I hope, hope, that his appeal does not result in a new trial or an acquittal um, or something awful like that. I would, I would just really hate that for the family. But my prediction for the sentencing is that, well, we know he's going to get at least a life sentence for killing Jasmine, um, but it's the parole eligibility that's kind of up in the air. So my prediction is that he's going to get 25 years eligibility for parole for the two murders, that he's going to appeal that, and in the end probably wind up at 15 years. Um, now, 
if it turns out that his like confession or the undercover tapes are actually thrown out, then it could wind up in a new trial. But I'm hoping that they have enough on him to convict him a second time and that they actually are willing to spend the money to do a second trial if it comes to that. Um, since he pled guilty to the murder of Jasmine, though, I think he, that means that he waives his right to appeal on that sentence, on at least on that sentence anyways. Like, I know that they said when Dust, because Dustin pleaded guilty to um, Taylor and his parents' murder, that he waived his right to appeal. So I think that's how it works. But then I've heard other cases where um, they've pled guilty and yet still appealed. But I think in those cases, they were youths that were charged as adults. Um, so maybe there's some difference there. I should really have a lawyer on sometime to talk about this stuff. But regardless, I'm going to keep you guys updated on how it unfolds and if there is any new information that comes to light. As always, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget your rates, reviews, and other blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do love hearing from you, so don't be shy and reach out. I'll even take criticism if it's constructive. I hope everyone has a great week. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash iron from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.